Pearson, this is Zach Crater, Bros, Bibles, and Beer. How are you? I am fantastic. And I think I am getting there to where I can see people. Awesome. Well, I can see Scott. Mm, that's not good. It, it's, it's actually been worse. You look pretty good today, Scott. Oh, what is that? That's what, no. that was my... Ooh, good thing you got clothes on. <laughs> you can't relax as much as you want to. Well, I'm in a uh, blow up, um, a blow up puffy chair. I don't know if you can see that. Nice. This is in the corner of my classroom. Fantastic. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Hello, Bonnie. How are you? Hey, good. Can you hear me reasonably well? Yeah, you sound great. Should I have a beer for this? Is that the... That is your preference. There oh, you man. I, uh, I had a cocktail at dinner, and I think it it might be ill-advised to have a second drink okay. while, you know, uh, talking in a reasonably professional context. Right. Where would that be? I, in my In my own conception of oh, okay. what's happening. Okay. <laughs> She just called you reasonably professional. Well, that's, Scott. that's why I was I didn't yeah. I didn't. So thank you. This is we're just going from the get go and we'll just have a conversation if that's okay with you. Yeah. Um usually the three of us are together. I'm Zach, who we've been chatting via email, and Scott's next to me, and Jeff's on Skype. I see him, he's over to the right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he he's um, trying to squeeze everything in tonight. He's got work stuff. He's a school teacher, so we get him. Uh, We're lucky to get him tonight. I'll just say that. All right, Bonnie, this book is great, and I guess I'll just say right off the top that um, we have this little kind of like a home group type thing uh, where the guys get together and drink and talk talk about God or politics or whatever. And we haven't done like anything specific in a long time because we all have small children, but now they're kind of growing up a little bit and we are able to get away. So we're actually going to buy several copies of this book to kind of go through it because it's just like it's meant for that type of thing. Uh, Yeah, no, that's so great to hear. And that that is a big 
a lot of what I had in mind when writing it, especially because I think whether you have small children or not, realistically, at least in my small group, which sounds sort of similar to yours, um, nobody's going to do advanced reading. And so it has to be something that has like short enough sections that you can read it while you're discussing it in the group. Um, and so, yeah, I'd love to hear how it goes. That's one thing that I'm especially curious to hear from people, um, just like how it functions in that group context. Yeah. Well, it's oh. neat, it's easy read from the get go. So that kind of engages me and then it's off and running and I haven't put it down. So it's, uh, it's simple thoughts, but educational because, uh, I'm not well versed in so much in the Bible and all of the language lingo. So it's been good for me. That's awesome. And that's, that really is like a big part of my hope for it because there are, you know, there, there are books that they will take what I cover in a single chapter and, and cover at the whole book length. And that's wonderful. And, you know, I appreciate those, but realistically that's not going to be helpful to many people. Right. I, I, I will first remember the time I heard Armenian, Arminianism. Armen <laughs> 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 and at first I thought we were talking about um, Armenia, you know, the, <laughs> and I never, you know, really told Zach or Scott that I was lost in the conversation. I just quiet, but I'm so glad you had a, a breakdown of everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it is. Yeah, I I think there may have been a time when I had the same thought and was real confused as to where like Eastern Europe came into this, but you know, you got to roll with it. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's it's funny. There's probably a lot of these things where Jeff, you specifically, your beliefs are probably pretty close to an Arminianist view. You just didn't have the verbiage for it, and right. you read something like this, and you get to see that there's probably multiple things in here where people don't even know where they stand on on something, and then they they'll read about it and be like, "Oh, that's what that's called," which is pretty sweet. Right, it's clarifying. Yeah, and it's good. I mean, it's so it's good for people like me who, if if I am loving a book, I can handle it if it's deep and dense. But it this makes you feel like you're making progress every time you pick it up because you're done with a chapter in like two to five minutes, and then there's questions to reflect on and. Uh, the I like the little biographical profiles on people, the Q and A's, and you have in between the tra the chapters. Uh, it's it's great, so it's totally appreciated. Yeah, Bonnie. Oh, thank you. And I'll just we'll just chat about your book. <laughs> <laughs> Was that it, Jeff? Or you have something to follow up? <laughs> so the idea of flexible faith is that to tease people? Oh man. So we went through probably like 20, 25 titles and this was not the first. Um, it, I mean, I, I think it's definitely supposed to be like, you know, if you see it in the bookstore, maybe sort of your, your heresy detector goes on and you're like, what is this? Is our faith flexible? And so you pick it up to, you know, investigate. Um, but, uh, it's interesting. I, I think, well, one and it's, you know, most scandalous interpretation. I think the title is way more um, uh, 
exciting, I guess, than the actual content of the book is. Um, because very like nothing that I'm sharing here is new or original to me. It, it may be something that we're, we're not familiar with, but it's not like I'm originating theology here. Um, it's been interesting to see like the the contrast in the way that that word flexible has struck people. Um, because I think some people hear flexible and they think of it as a, a good thing. Like you know you want to be um, like their our schedule is flexible and that's great, but then other people hear flexible and it's, it's like a scary thing in the context of faith. Um, and so, yeah, I don't I don't know if you had given me all twenty titles at once and said pick one. I, I don't know if this is the one I would have gone for, but I have really appreciated the way that it it sparks conversation and, and interest that way. Okay, so just humor us for a moment. What was the first title? You're like, this is it. The first title was 200 Million Ways to Follow Jesus, nice. um, which was, yeah, so that was the result of, um, I actually asked my husband to do the math because I haven't taken a math class since like 2004. Um, but <laughs> it was the math of like the uh, numbers of possible combinations that you could have um, from the different viewpoints explored in the different chapters. So I think it was like, if you took one option from every chapter, how many possible options could there be? And it was something well over 200 million, but we you know, rounded it to an even number for like, say ability. Um, yeah. So that was where we started, but they thought it, the publicity people thought it might be confusing. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't have picked up the book. Uh, well, they were right then. <laughs> That's way too much. Um, 200 million <laughs> ways. Is, uh, just give me like three or four ways. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so especially if it had numbers on the, if it was spelled out mm -hmm. 200 million, but if it's all numbers, that's a lot of zeros and Jeff can't that's figure true. that out. <laughs> <laughs> what would you call, what faith system are you a part of? And if you were born into that context, was there a time you wrestled with leaving? <laughs> um, how could you have developed such a question? It's uh, so unfamiliar know. to me. It just came to me. Um, yeah. So I, I also, well, I guess I'll, I'll go in chronological order. So I, I grew up, um, we moved around a lot. So I went to a number of different churches, just depending on what was available, you know, where we lived. Um, and so I went to a lot of, non-denominational churches and um, some Baptist churches, uh, all of which were very similar theologically, mainly differences in terms of, you know, what's the, like the governance structure. Um, we were briefly Methodists for like a couple months, but that didn't last. Um, so mostly that, that was how I grew up. A fairly conservative context, you know, women were not, were not preachers. Um, one church we went to uh, did not permit uh, boys and girls to swim together. Um, even like, you know, fairly young kids. Um, you also weren't supposed to wear pants, but culottes were okay. If it was like, you know, the summer and you really didn't want to be in a skirt, you could wear culottes. Okay. Um, so now, uh, now I'm a, a Mennonite actually, uh, not, not old order, as you can imagine from the fact that we're having this conversation on site. Um, but, uh, yeah, we came to the, the Mennonite church about five years ago and uh, are part of a community here in St. Paul and plan to be here for the, the foreseeable future. Nice. And you have guinea pigs, I read. I do have guinea pigs. <laughs> How do they get along with the cats? Um, you know, the guinea pigs are, are 
pretty large. People people mix them up with like hamsters and stuff, but um, like my larger guinea pig is a solid uh, like two and a half pounds. So. Mm. Uh, and he's got a, a good set of chompers on him. He he can hold his own. Oh, I, I I said cats, but for some reason I was thinking cats. But you have dogs. I do. Do they but ever mingle? Same same principle. Um, the one dog is very respectful. The other dog, we've only had about six months, and I don't quite trust her yet. So not too much. Nice. And going back yeah. to you mentioned you left, uh, or you briefly it was you went to Methodist church. Mm-hmm. why did that not stick? That that was a pretty quick visit. Yeah. Um, I think the main reason, um, and, and I, I could be getting this wrong. Um, I was, uh, I want to say in middle school. So not, you know, like super in on the, um, you know, like what are our theological differences here or whatever. Um, but I believe the story was that we went to like a, a church uh, retreat and so our congregation was the were the only people at this camp. So you knew that all the cars that were there were from our congregation. And there was a uh, a pro choice bumper sticker, and oh. I think that contributed to our departure. Okay. So yeah. Pretty. You grew up pretty conservative then. Um, so some of these, I guess, back to the book. You on certain issues you kind of lay out your thoughts on if it's something you're passionate about or you have a lot of feelings about. So there's mm-hmm. probably some of those views that you hold now that weren't like, you could probably grew up believing what exactly what your parents believed as most of us do. Uh, and what, how, what were some of the big shifts and how did those happen? Yeah. Well, so a, a really big one was, um, and, and this will help make sense of why I'm in a, a Mennonite congregation now, but was views on war and violence. Um, I sort of grew up in, you know, your generic, unthinking, just war theory of, you know, war is not great, violence is not great, but it's it's fine in self-defense. And, you know, obviously you want to defend the innocent. And if you have to use violence, you have to use violence. And, um, and I, you know, I would say I, I grew up believing, you know, what, what I was taught in our churches, but it, it's not like I really thought about it in any critical sense. Um, and so that was something that I started exploring uh, in my early 20s. And uh, that was kind of in conjunction with exploring um, my views on engage on like how the, the church and state should interact, how we should interact with politics. Um, and so that was a big shift for me. And, and those are, I believe, uh, two of the ones that I, I talk about uh, in the book where it, it has been really important for me and for my own faith um, to, to change my perspective on that. And so that was how we, we did end up in the, or a big part at least, of how we ended up in, in the Mennonite church because of their commitment to nonviolence um, and their sort of unique way of, of approaching politics in the state. Um, so that, that's a big one. Another big one would be roles of women. Um, I grew up pretty complementarian and now I'm definitely not. So uh, that I think I, I don't know that I would have written a book on theology if I'd stayed with exactly the the viewpoint in which I was raised on that subject. Yeah, because men might read it and they might learn something. Right. Yes, and that. Well, I mean, I my understanding is that, um, and I forget it's a there's a major pastor. It's not John Piper, but it's somewhere someone of you know similarly well known and similarly conservative who has explained that uh, 
you know, it's not quite as bad if you read a book as a man, a book written by a woman, than if you actually like hear her in person, that, that removal makes it somehow a little better. Really? I swear, I swear I read this and this was not like a fringe guy. I'd have to go back and find it, but this is real. (laughs) Tim Keller? No, um, I want to say Wayne Grudem, but that could be false and I don't want to like admit that if that's not what he said and, you know, like slander him. Right. John MacArthur? Maybe. I'm still leaning towards Wayne Grudem, but I could be wrong. Okay. Well, you gotta, that's a good caveat. No, nobody's gonna hold it against you. Yeah. Man, that's like, how do you say that with, I appreciate the people that are, if they're conservative on this issue and our podcast is a mixed bag when it comes to most of these Mm -hmm. things. Um, it's not so much like what you believe it's, it's how you believe it. And, um, I, I just can't see, I don't know, saying that with a straight face. Like how, how do you, I'm just wondering how one would get over that logically or over that cognitive dissonance. It's, it's tricky. And I think it, I think it had to do with, um, you know, well-known and relatively theologically conservative speakers and writers like, um, you know, Beth Moore and, and people like that and wanting to, you know, sort of recognize the good in that ministry without, uh, budging on the, the, theolo- the complementary theology. And I think that was where at least some people land, but that's, it's, there's so much variation, I think, even within that perspective, right? Cause you have the people who, like women should not even read the announcements and then you have it like it's everything but the lead pastor. Um, and so I always find those variations interesting, especially because, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about the announcement reader versus lead pastor distinction that we have today. Oh man. I just had a follow up on that that I didn't have written down and I'm blanking. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> We'll edit that out. We'll edit that uh, out. <laughs> I have plenty of stuff written down, but um, uh, oh, it's right there. Don't you hate that? It's like right on the tip of my brain tongue. <laughs> so what? let's go back then to how did you get to a place where you decided to write this book? And like what? I mean, I, I'm sure it's a little bit obvious uh, or it might be to some people, but like why this book and how did you get there? Yeah. Um, well, so in terms of my own, uh, sort of personal getting there, um, I had done some, some writing like on my own blog and for some friends who had had, um, questions about theology or also politics, um, where I'd done sort of a similar thing of like sort of distilling down, you know, here's the gist of this issue, here are the basic options. Um, and I had enjoyed that. And so that sort of foundation was there when I started thinking about um, what sort of book I would like to write. And then what I had in mind in this for this was really for like two audiences. And I talk about this a little bit in the book. Um one was was for people who are are like good with where they are in their faith, like they're happy in their congregation and their beliefs, and they're not like, you know, having doubts or questions or or whatever the case may be. And so for those people, I really wanted it to be sort of just like a an introduction to 
all of the rest of the church that you may not know about and that it's very easy not to know about, even if you're, you know, in church all day long, every day. Um, we just tend to sort of find out about our own tradition and our own people and, and, and not, you know, maybe we only know stereotypes about the rest. Um, I know I've certainly um, heard and used phrases like, you know, just those holy rollers or like the the smells and bells, Catholics and Episcopalians mm-hmm. and all that. And I think that's so unfortunate, like if that's all we know about like, these other parts of the body of Christ. So that was like one, one half of it. And then the other half of it was people um, who are in a season of like questions or doubt or, or deconstruction of their faith. Um, basically as a, I wanted to present something super accessible, super readable. If you don't have a background in theology to just say like, Hey, so Maybe you can't go back to the church you grew up in or that you converted in, but that does not mean you have to like stop being a Christian altogether. And here's a lot of other options you can explore. Um, so that was, that was my aim and that was what I hope it does. Yeah, it does. I, I, um, I definitely could have used it. I'm, I'm going to be 40 later this year and, uh, it's, a little it shouldn't be embarrassing but i feel a little embarrassed that it wasn't until like the last five years that i like kind of woke up out of whoa there's a lot more to the picture um in being a christian Uh, and and so it's it's great having the book it's a great resource for that so thanks again (laughs) you're welcome i mean i would have loved to have had something like this in like late high school this would have been great um, I mean, I was in a I was in a Christian school in 11th and 12th grade, and just thinking back to like what my Bible and theology classes were, as opposed to what they could have been, so like something like this would have been so so much more helpful. Um, even in terms of like understanding what my classmates from other denominations believed, it, like I had a Greek Orthodox kid in my class, I had no idea what he thought and why we were different. Yeah, and I think for a lot of Christians, it probably just came on the radar when, uh, you know who Hank Hanegraaff is? The Bible Answer Man, have you heard of him? Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. He recently converted to Eastern Orthodoxism, mm-hmm. Orthodoxy. Uh, Orthodoxy. <laughs> um, but, and that was just like, I, I think a lot of Christians or a lot of his followers probably were blown away like what is this he's not even a christian anymore anymore mm-hmm. which is sad it is sad and i i mean i i get why like that confusion happens and why people are wary because you know this is like a really high stakes stuff in some ways and so if you think you know the truth um you know you want to hold fast to that as tightly as you can and not get distracted with things that are are, are wrong um but with, with fellow Christians, you know, I, I don't think we can write people off like that. We have to, to find out, you know, what they think. And, and maybe there's something there that we should be learning from. Yeah. So that reminds me of um, something I wanted to bring up to you is you, you care deeply about the Bible. And you'd probably, I'm guessing you would call it the, like it's God inspired and God breathed. Do you agree with that statement? Like, what is mm-hmm. that? what does that look like to you practically? Cause I'm, I'm finding the more I've like deconstructed and reconstructed and kind of just, I've grown used to being okay with attention and the questions and not needing uh, to 
put final stamps on beliefs necessarily. Um, I'm finding that what it means to be inspired, the inspired word of God, or I have a hard time calling it the word of God right now, personally. Um, what does that mean to you? Cause I'm noticing it's, it's different for so many different people. Yeah. So for me, I would say two things. One is that, um, so I was raised in, in the tradition of, of inerrancy. So like nothing in the Bible is factually wrong in any way. Um, in the, in the original languages, of course. Um, and today I would say I land at infallibility, um, which sounds like it should be the same, but basically just means, um, the Bible is trustworthy and reliable for everything concerned with faith and practice of, of following Jesus. And so um, that doesn't require the Bible to say, get every like scientific or historical detail right. It does require, it does mean that, you know, everything in scripture, I think that pertains to um, what it means to, to follow and to live like Christ that is trustworthy and true and, and, and can be relied upon to shape our lives. Um, so that's where I am at the same time, though, I would say that the, the Bible itself talks about Jesus as God's word, um, as, as, you know, the, the best representation of God and as the word of God, um, and, you know, the, the visible incarnation of God's character and, and what he is like and what he's always been like. And so I think it is worth, um, as much as I, you know, value the Bible and place it in high esteem, um, I do think it is worth keeping that in mind um, and viewing scripture uh, in light of what we know about Christ and his character um, and, and making sure that the Bible doesn't become like an idol of sorts, which I think it can if we're, if we're too not too, if we're not careful Um, because of course we're not saved because the Bible, the Bible isn't our savior. The Bible isn't our clearest revelation of God. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's uh, I I hope <laughs> that I've gotten to a um, a more tenable position um, of you know giving the Bible the the esteem and authority that it deserves without making it um, like a fourth person of the Trinity almost if that makes sense. God, yeah. God yeah. Oh, go ahead. What was that? Were you, no, you? he knows you're teed up, Scott. Oh no. <laughs> You broke out, but you, you, you broke up there. But you just say, Scott, you got something to say? Is that what you said, Jeff? Something like that. I think I Jeff know. is giving me permission to speak. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Holbert. Well, yeah, yes, I, um, yeah, I'd certainly agree with that. Um, and, and at the same time, um, uh, you know, n- don't take just because people have gone too far or made it an idol doesn't mean that you you go the opposite of what mm-hmm. you, the, of what they are uh, saying um because you know the word of, scripture is referred to the word of god over and over in scripture and god's revelation that that's how it's referred to and that's why I mean that's why we would we would no, I'm give it authority is because it has that mm-hmm. that standing. Um, so yeah, just that the the right balance. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's not wrong to say that scripture is the word of God, or is it? 
It's, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I, I would say it's not. However, I do, for me, at least in terms of my own background, I think the the emphasis on looking to Jesus as, as revelation of, of God's whole character was not what it should have been. Um, and so, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I'm still at some point of overcorrection. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think for, for me, at least that, that was missing too much. Um, and so, yeah, well, I, well, I do for sure still would still say the, the Bible is God's word. Um, it's, I don't, I don't talk about it quite the way that I used to it, at least. Um, well, yeah. And that's, to, that's yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's a different category because you're not saying that the, right. you're not saying if, if, if scripture is God's word and Jesus is God's word, therefore Jesus is, is scripture or scripture is Jesus. Right. I mean, that's not the right. syllogism there, right? It, there, there are different right. categories of, of, of statement. Scott and I have had so many long conversations in this, <laughs> in this, uh, kind of in that wheelhouse. Uh, yeah, I, I guess my resistance is still seeing how it's p- the typical person that says it's God's word. Uh, I just feel like there's so many abuses <laughs> there where it's, it's like the, the order it's out of order personally. And that's why it's like, if I could have a conversation, okay, what do you mean by that? Maybe we could straighten it out. And you should. That's what you should do. And and I talk I, to people. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> but I, but I, I, but I think that's my my point is, despite what people are saying, it's it's how should we view it? And, right. And and so get away from what people say, and and look to how we should how should how we should properly view it. And it's not always the opposite of the abuse. That is correct. Yeah. Well, Jeff? No. Why don't you shut your video off? Yeah, we don't want to see you. <laughs> okay. Uh, how is it now? Oh, much better. <laughs> For me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so infallibility and inerrancy, the... It seems those that really love the Bible um, and almost idolize it or do, um, it's everything. And and what's and then there's infallibility where it's almost not what it says; it's the spirit of what's being said and the stories that surround what's being said or the story that's coming out of. Um, what's being said. So um, whether it's just one phrase or a parable or just the history of Christ, um, there's that, it seems like a, def- a something. So Scott and I would conflict. I, I'm kind of in the spirit of things and he's like, well, what happens when things go wrong? Don't you have to go to the Bible to kind of have questions that you're about? God, am I am I right in? Well, I, yeah, in, I think in the conversations we've had, um, I I I definitely don't discount how the Spirit is leading you. Um, I, I I appreciate that, and I, that's a biblical concept. But uh, it would be that when what you think the Spirit is telling you, when that disagrees with 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 
what's in scripture, then what do you do? I think that's, that, that's been my point in a few of our conversations. I think in a lot of, I think in most of life, um, it's usually big picture and not, um, minuscule things like little details that people would say is, um, well, this could have been translated differently, but the spirit of it is still the same. Um, and, and I don't, so I don't think there's really, um, there may be a little bit of difference in the details, but you know, the idea of, to go to the Bible to, you know, be certain, I don't think is necessary. Well, well, yeah, and I, I guess the question would, would then be, okay, when you, when you say to be certain, are you saying that you need to be certain? Or, or is that just something that you've heard people talk about, that they're certain about something? Like, are you saying that you need to be certain about it? Or... Bonnie, what do you think about <laughs> about, certain, about certainty in all the decisions, um, and and at the same time, you have this, you know what? I I'm a believer. I I know this is the right direction to go. Yeah. Um. What I would say. So I've never liked sort of the the leap of faith language, which people like to bring up. Um, you know, as a contrast to certainty, they'll say, like, you just you just have to make a leap of faith. You just have to, to jump into things and, and uh, you know, hoping that it'll turn out OK. Um, I don't like that language. Um, I'm also but on the other hand, I, I don't tend to want to swing all the way over to, um, you know, we need to have this like complete factual certainty in the way that we have certainty about like gravity Um and I, I don't think it's possible, really, to have the same degree of certainty um, about, you know, God and, and theology that we have about sort of basic facts of, you know, if I drop this pen, will it fall? Um, so where I would lean towards going is um, more language of like commitment and trust. Um, so like I, you know, I have a lot of reasons to to place this trust or, or if you prefer faith in God um, to, to trust that he is who he says he is, that this is what his character is like, that this is what he's said and done. Um, and I, I don't want to say I would make a, a leap, but more like I would make a commitment. I think, I think the, this is one reason why the, the marriage analogy is used so much in the new Testament and why it's so good, right? Because when you marry someone, um, you, you don't know everything about them. You're not completely, you can't be completely certain about everything that's going on in their heads and everything about their habits and their character. Um, but you love and trust them enough to make that commitment um, and to say, you know, I'm, I'm willing to dive into this and, and find out um, what else there is to know. And I think with, with God and uh, not in exactly the same way, but in a similar way with the Bible, um, we can make sort of that commitment to giving scripture that authority um, without having that complete certainty about it because we have that, that trust in it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I like the marriage analogy just because, you know, you're, you're partnered with someone. So you're going to step on them, you know, figuratively speaking and, 
you're going to have conflict and that's okay. And you're going to make wrong choices. Um, and there are going to be consequences and arguments and discussions. And you, you know, then you like with God, you are, you realize that, I mean, you just know in your heart, in your spirit that you've, I've gone in the wrong direction and, and I can feel the consequences or the actual consequences are playing out and I need to, I need to pray on this. I need, I, I know I'm going, I'm doing something um, or thinking a certain way that's not in line with God's will um, because things are going um, awry. So I guess I guess the marriage analogy is is very clear to me, and that's kind of in, in the parallel with um, following Christ, um, as opposed to going to the scripture scriptures and and saying, you know, where have I gone wrong, and then finding, you know, places. I mean, you're going to get there, and you're going to. It's going to be obvious unless so you like. Unless you marry your soulmate yes. and then you don't have to deal with those issues. <laughs> Bonnie, you wouldn't have any thoughts on soulmates, would you? Oh, man. You, you wrote the, wrote, read the piece I published today. <laughs> not, the, not the whole thing, but it's, I, I couldn't resist. Uh, but, yeah, that, that is interesting, the, the, um, the idea of, like you mentioned, jumping in and see, seeing what happens versus the, you're going to yeah. have a, I don't like the jump language because it suggests like maybe something real bad is going to happen and you don't really know and you're just going to risk it because I don't know, you're reckless and YOLO. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think like the marriage or commitment language is much better because it communicates um, like, yes, there, there is like that, that leap sort of, um, but you're, you know what you're, you're getting into and you don't know everything about it, but you have a, an idea of, you know, the, the character and the, um, you're not just making this decision randomly because why not? Yeah. Well, and, and Jeff, um, uh, to what you said, I, um, talk to Jeff, but then try to work in a question for Bonnie. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Bonnie, um, given what Jeff yes. said, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I get that. I, well, I guess I don't. I guess I, guess I don't get it. Um, you're talking about being led by the spirit, but it, it just it. I don't know that it makes much sense to just kind of uh, almost like setting the Bible to to the side and saying, "I have the Holy Spirit. I'm going to rely on on that witness to me." in my heart. Well, let's just let Jeff admit he hates reading the Bible, right? <laughs> is that what's going yeah. on here, Jeff? Because it's, it's not like really. Go ahead. Sorry, Jeff. Wow. That was great. Uh, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, I'm a school teacher and I really detest reading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but it's, it's that, yeah, we, we, I, I don't know that we should trust ourselves all that much. Um, we we are sinners. We we, we, we can deceive ourselves. ourselves. 
Yeah, but the, there's there might the, that line between how we know it's God's, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, and it's our own heart. Um, that that line might might not be so well defined, and we have something that that God has given us to it guide us the- to guide us in how we should live. All right, and I'm I think a- that we can trust that. So, Bonnie, does can we? Trust- I, I do have a thing to say here. If oh, you, do it, if you'd yeah. Like- yeah. All right. So, um, okay. No. So what I would say is, um, when you're, this is something that I think, and I don't know, I said what church I'm in, what traditions are you guys in? Is it all, it's all the same, different? Um, I'm a faith church. A what? A leap of faith. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and I go to the same church. Um, and it's, Mm, it's kind of a, if you've heard of centered set and bounded set churches where sure. we're, we're centered set, okay. Scott's church is, mm, are you comfortable with bounded set where there's more boundaries? Um, people in, well, no, I, 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 I yeah. So if, I mean, <laughs> any, any, we're all kind of similar though. Any, anyone is welcome, but, but we're stand for what right. we believe is true. Right. And if you disagree with that, you can come, but, this, we're going to teach what we think is true. And yeah. So we're all kind of similar. It's, it's kind of like, uh, is it, dispens- are you all non-denominational? Yeah. Non-denominational. Yes. Yeah. All well, right. So, but, well, I, yeah, I'm non-denominational. Your yeah. thing, Zach and, and Jeff's right, congregation well, guess, might be large enough to be a denomination by now. Oh, I guess technically we yeah. have, yeah. Our parent facility is the Evangelical right. Covenant Church. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that all applies to what I was going to say. So what I was going to say is I think that this is where sort of generally low church Protestants, which I think you could say we all are, are really bad at, um, which is two things. One, um, knowledge and and use of church tradition, like the 2,000 years of people who have been writing on and listening to the spirit on the same questions that we have. Um, and so when you're, you know, you think you're hearing something from the spirit that seems to be contradicted by the Bible, I think that's, you know, a, a really obvious place to go for, you know, more clarity on that subject. Maybe there's, you know, you're misunderstanding something in scripture. Maybe you're hearing from the spirit wrong and maybe they're probably almost certainly there have been like other Christians in the last 2000 years who have some thoughts on this that might be a couple of things. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that I think we're also real bad at, um, is like talking about the Bible in community as opposed to just being like at home alone, like trying to listen to the spirit and read the Bible. And you can end up in some weird places doing that, like even with the best of intentions. And I think like talking about, like if you, are in that situation where you think the Bible says one thing and the spirit is saying another thing, like you go to the community and you say to other people like, Hey, here are these things I have in conflict. What do you think? What do you hear from the spirit? Can you go home and pray about this? Um, and yeah, I think we are, are, are bad at that. And I, I know I'm bad at that. I hope to be better about that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So that, those are the things I had to say. That's good. Um, what do you, so somebody tweeted, it was probably Brian Zond or <laughs> Pete ends. Um, but I'm pretty comfortable with it. And given that it was a tweet, it's, it's, there's a lack of nuance cause it's a tweet, but 
and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like uh, the Bible is not God's revelation, but it's, or it's, uh, hmm, now I'm running into trouble. <laughs> Scott's like gearing up right now. Um, <laughs> it's basically like God, God's people were interpreting God's revelation. They're not like dictating God's revelation. And I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that at this point in my journey, if I may say. I don't know what you think about that. If that's like too far, is that allowing the Bible to be too human for you? Yeah, it's hard to say given that we are talking about a tweet. Um, <laughs> and I'm on Twitter and I hate Twitter. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah, so I, I don't know because you can, you can idea. interpret. Yeah, so I mean, I am comfortable with saying like I don't think God... I don't think it was a dictation process where God just like was whispering the exact phrases he wants in their ears. And they just like, were like a robot writing it down. Um, I do think that there's, you know, that the the people who were writing it matters and that, I mean, even, even in first Corinthians, there's parts where Paul says, you know, I have no command from the Lord on this. This is just my opinion. And I give it because I think I'm trustworthy. Um, but depending on that phrasing of like, you know, the people were interpreting it, I don't know, I'd need more explanation and of exactly what that means before I'd sign on. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a leap of faith here and try to interpret <laughs> you, Brian Zahn's repeat ends, uh, twit, t- tweet. It might've been, <laughs> it might not have been either of them. Um, so, but, uh, we're slandering everybody tonight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it, if it, it sounds like the implication there is that because it's their interpretation of God's revelation that they could have gotten it wrong. Yeah. Um, right. And I, and I, potentially. So, um, Bonnie, I think that might go against, well, that might ha- that might be a challenge to your view of infallibility because if, mm. if they're, because it's not a matter, maybe it's not a matter of history at that point. It's a matter of, okay, what are they, how are they interpreting what God did? And then if they say God did X when actually it wasn't God, but their interpretation was, they're, they're revealing to us, you know, the reader thousands mm-hmm. of years later, um, or, you know, hundreds of years, a thousand years later, um, uh, God's character. And if that's actually not God's character, then, yeah, that, that might be uh, a challenge to infallibility. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with the way you described infallibility. Those are inerrancy mm-hmm. and infallibility. Again, all these terms have such a broad <laughs> definition depending on who you're talking to. And which, by the way, I would disagree with the tweet. I'd okay. be on, I'd oh, be on yeah. Bonnie's side there. Yeah. Just for I the mean, record. Yeah. And the, the way the words are used, those two words in particular, they're not used. Well, I was going to say precisely, but I'd even say they're not used responsibly. I mean, I've had professors who have been required to sign on to infallibility because that's, you know, the, or excuse me, inerrancy. I'm even mixing it up now. <laughs> They've been required to sign on to inerrancy because that's the school's doctrine. But in practice, if, you know, you ask them to really explain what they believe about scripture, it's pretty much infallibility. Um, but, you know, the donors want inerrancy, so you sign on to inerrancy. Yeah, um, and, and right, then right, just yeah. redefine it into what's basically infallibility, but you're still calling it inerrancy. And so that just creates that sort of thing I think happens a lot where it's, and it's very confusing and not helpful. 
Yeah, I think right now I'm I'm somewhere in between infallibility and inerrancy. It's some mm. have you moved? Spectrum. I don't know that it, I don't know if I have moved. I I I don't know that I had ever consciously thought I am a, an inerrantist and therefore mm-hmm. I need to believe X about the text. Um but I I I do I yeah, so I'm probably somewhere in between infallibility and inerrancy. This is encouraging to me, Bonnie, because I'm constantly trying to get him to move his positions. No, well, Zach, you need it to, feels like a shift. You need to frame. You need to frame. <laughs> I need to communicate more clearly. Just yeah, we need to. We need to. Yeah. yeah. Usually, these discussions involve uh, <laughs> more than one drink, Bonnie. So that <laughs> yeah. probably contributes. Yeah, and we're only on two right now, so we've got oh, a ways man. to go. Are we? Um, you got something? Go, Jeff, you got something? I got more, but go ahead. You've been writing stuff down. I was just looking back at the, you know, you're defining inerrant and infallible, uh, and, and just thinking about we we only create these um, this language so we can have a conversation and and box, you know, or ask people, you know, do you fit here? Do you fit there? And and that's been going on forever, um, and it's okay to be in between. It's it's you really just you're able to have a discussion with people and use language to to do it. So, the idea of inerrancy, yes, there are things that um, are absolutely factual, and there's no dispute um, within the Bible, and there are places where. Um, I'm not so sure some people would say this is absolutely true. Um, they might even say literal, like this was to be taken literal and be like, well, I think that was just a, a parable. And so you, you have this conversation, but ultimately it's, it's the, the belief of what God did in sending his son and, and what that stood for and, the magnitude of it all. And I've said this, you know, many times on other podcasts we've had. And I really think it's just, it's believers getting to have a good conversation and talk about, you know, life as in regards to God's leading us. And, and that's a good thing. So the inerrancy or infallible or things being literal or not, um, it's okay. It's all flexible. Yeah, and Bonnie, I appreciate. Oh, sorry, Jeff. No, go ahead. But yeah, Bonnie, I appreciate when you when you talked about that the the literal um, when when people say literal, uh, you you, know, you said um, when when Christians say they take the Bible literally, they almost always mean they take it extremely seriously, um, right? So they don't they don't mean that they can't have parables or figurative language. <laughs> Um, and I think that's a misconception on the other side that that people they'll, they'll say that oh you're a literalist, uh, uh, and and they might attribute that to 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 people. Those who, people are uh, out there, but your point they're very. I would I would say very few. And you're probably right. If you could find yeah. one, I'll give you ten dollars. <laughs> uh, let me if open Twitter real quick. <laughs> If you can find one, you should have them on this podcast just yeah. for like, like just go through passages, read a passage. Do you think this is literal? Yeah. I'm not sure you can actually find one, <laughs> but. Bonnie, I'm, 
I still appreciate this conversation. I wish I could stay, but I literally have to leave. So sure <laughs> right. well, Bonnie does too in a minute, but thanks, Jeff. All right. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. Um, so, yeah, can I, um, just, uh, we got like six minutes. All right. So, Bonnie, real quick. I mean, I can stay a few minutes longer if you guys have more questions mm-hmm. you wanted to ask. You are very generous. Thank you, Bonnie. <laughs> um, so, in the, in the, um, uh, chapter four, how does Jesus dying mean that we can be saved? Um, uh-huh. and, you, and you go through the, uh, the different views on, um, Christ sac- on the atonement, yeah, atonement theory. Yeah. Um, and then on, on page 53, um, uh, you say, um, so talking about, um, Anselm, um, you say, his theory imagined God as a medieval lord with a bunch of unruly peasants who, who have, quote, so offended God that not one of them, by any action of his own, can escape the penalty of death, um, as a quote from, from Anselm. But, but at the beginning of, the, of this section, Satisfaction Theory, you say that right around the end of our faith's first millennium, a theologian named Anselm of Canterbury showed up and changed everything. So... So the idea that um, that no that not one of them by any action of his own, so a human by any any human action can escape the penalty of death. Are you are you saying that that idea did not come around until the end of the first millennium? No. Um, so it's not the idea that that you know humans couldn't save themselves. Um, it's specifically so. The interesting thing about Anselm is. Um, there were all before Anselm arrived. There were there were starting to talk about uh, the atonement and you know how Jesus dying means that we can be saved in different ways. Like there was starting to be some different exploration on that subject. Um, but he is the first one who comes along and puts out this really unified, well developed theory in like this book that says you know here's a new way of thinking about it that becomes enormously influential. And so what he's saying that's so new. Um, is that his focus um, on sort of the uh, the obstacle that prevents salvation from occurring is no longer the devil um, and sin and death as it used to be, um, but now the obstacle is that uh, God has to punish sin. The obstacle, in a sense, becomes God the Father and his commitment to the, the justice and order of the universe. And so that was his big um, his big change. So it, it wasn't that, um, that, that people previously thought that, that humans could save themselves without Jesus. Um, but that the nature of the obstacle changes in Amselm's theory. And also he, he does very explicitly use this, um, medieval Lord analogy. Like he just comes right out and says, you know, it's like if you had a Lord and he had these peasants and so on and so forth. Um, and so he really, like, he looked around at the world around him and he, he basically was a lord, and he had peasants, and he, he said, you know, it, it works a lot like this, and that was how he wrote his book. Mm-hmm, okay, yeah, I just uh, when you as you talk about you know the, the the center of the of the concentric circle as as being orthodox uh, as being the, the 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 thing you can't deviate from, and then mm-hmm. and then as you get further out, then yeah, we you know this is where we can be flexible, but the I you know these these things like sinning against God, um, mm-hmm. and only God can atone for sin against God, um, that those ideas to me, if, if, like, if you don't, if that's not part of your center, 
that's that's in that's not flexible that um, mm-hmm. that yeah you it, it it'd be difficult to be a christian uh with if you don't have those ideas um in in my view that that only god yeah. can forgive sins against god that we sin that we do sin against god and so i was just i was just well so yeah you know. so i mean like i agree that only god can forgive sins against god um and you know i think everyone pre anselm would agree as well um, the difference, though, is that post-Anselm, in his theory, and then also in um, the theory that Calvin had a lot to do with developing penal substitution, um, God the Father is the one who's preventing reconciliation between God and humanity, whereas in those earlier theories for the first 1,000 years of the faith, um, God the Father is not the obstacle. God the Father is partnering, like the entire Trinity is working together on a rescue mission. Um, and so there's there's no there's no lesser conception of sort of the gravity of sin and the sense in which humanity has betrayed God. Um, the difference is what is the obstacle to be overcome? Um, and Anselm says it's, it's essentially God the Father um, and his commitment to maintaining order in his universe. Um, the earlier Christians before him would have said, the obstacle is that we've enslaved ourselves to sin and death and the devil and God has to come rescue us. Um, and so, you know, in both cases, salvation is not possible, is only possible through Christ. Um, it's certainly not possible for humanity to save ourselves. Um, but the question of what we need to be saved from, um, it's a little bit different. Um, and, and it's either, you know, it's not, it's not the same to say, um, you know, our betrayal and our enslavement to sin is the obstacle on the one hand. And then to say, uh, you know, God, the father really needs everything to be in order. Yeah. Okay. Zach, that was awesome. Um, Um, Oh, but to your point about the concentric circles, I would put atonement theory probably um, not in the dogma. So there's Jesus in the center, then dogma. I would put it in the doctrine, um, super important sort of thing that divides denominations. I probably wouldn't, I would put, you know, the fact of salvation through Christ as dogma, but how it functions like that nitty gritty, that atonement theory gets into, I'd probably put it in the doctrine level, but that, I mean, even that sort of ranking is debatable. Yeah. Now, okay. Oh, sorry. Um, dogma is dogma flexible. Mm, no, I mean, I would say dogma gets at that really core um, story of, of Christianity. And, and I think I used um, the Apostles' Creed as a good example of what dogma is, just sort okay. of that basic, here's God, here's what we did, here's what he wants from us, um, just that real real core stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I love you, Scott. Um, <laughs> I'm so, a little slow. No, no. Scott's our clarifier, which is good. He, he's and, and nothing, I think nothing that I discuss in here is really dogma. Like a lot of it relates to how we understand dogma, but there's not really disagreement on dogma. This is why, for example, I don't have a chapter on heaven um, because there's not really, there's ignorance about like how heaven and, and the new creation works, but there's not really like legitimate logical disagreement on that. Yeah, my question about heaven is always when. Mm, yeah. Anyway, go ahead, I, Zach. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question for you about the new creation in a minute, but uh, what what are you doing? Like, what are you studying right now? Like, what is grabbing you that you're you just can't get enough of? 
And it could be like politically or theologically. So I know you yeah. write you write a lot about politics too. I do, and that's most of the writing I'm doing, sort of like on a day to day basis. Um, I'm I'm doing a lot of reading for a hopefully a second book project um, that um, is going to be a lot on the subject of um, community and uh, neighboring. Um, but also include some, some like historical and, and political aspects of that. So like right now I'm reading a book on the history of housing segregation in America and that's, um, I'm only like two chapters in, but that's super interesting. Um, What's it and I'm excited about that. It's called the color of law by, uh, I believe Richard Rothstein, but I may be getting, I know the color of law is correct. You can find it on Amazon. I think it came out this year or last year. It's recent. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Any, any new book ideas for the future? Um, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully the, the one I mentioned about, about community and neighboring, um, we'll, we'll see though. It's, it's too soon to get a second contract. So, um, part of that depends on how well the first book sells. So buy lots of copies for your your small group. Well, yeah, we're, we're good for at least eight to 10. All right. But it's great. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend it. It's, it's awesome. Like when you, t- we mentioned dogma and, uh, doctrine and all that stuff. And I, I think a lot of these, some Christians will assume that it was dogma and you're going to kind of lift the veil off of, Oh, wait a second. Maybe there's more to the picture here. Maybe it's not quite as, uh, Important. I don't want to use the word important because they're all important, but it, it's not quite as ironclad as you thought. Well, yeah, and even in, a, I, I might have missed it, um, but the definition of dogma, uh, people might have, they might, they might have oh, a different sure. definition of, of dogma, mm-hmm. and so they might not quite understand what you mean. Like, like, because I mean, that was part of the question that I asked: is okay, when you say right. dogma, does that mean? That, that yeah. dogma is flexible or, you know. And that's used different ways too. I mean, there are so many, so many of these things where, um, you know, people use dogma doctrine as synonyms. Um, and it just, it just gets also messy. And um, yeah, many of the, the things that I talk about in this book, I probably got into adulthood, not knowing that there were different perspectives on this that, you know, don't make you a heretic. Um, and that just seems like things that we should know. Um, I mean, like, you know, communion, baptism, I knew people disagreed about that, but um, a lot of it, just no idea. Well, yeah, and it's, speaking of, of the of the communion part, like, um, you, you, from both sides, from both Protestants and Catholics, there there might be both sides saying, well, no, if you take the other side's view, that's, that might be that might be outside of orthodoxy, like outside of dogma, where if you think that Jesus is, is that the bread and the wine is, are actually becoming the body and the blood, what implications does it have? If that means that Jesus is being crucified again, well, that that's might... That's transubstantiation. That's in the book, Scott. Well, that's what I'm... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's, why I'm bringing, that's why I'm bringing that up, is that... that We'd have to examine if that would actually be outside of dogma. And then from the Catholic perspective, if they say, hey, if, if, 
if it's not becoming the body and the blood of Jesus, then you're not, then you're not partaking. And if you don't partake, then you're not part of, of the kingdom. Like there's, yeah, they're, they're, it does yeah, those are, those are super interesting questions to me. Um, in a couple senses, one is that, so baptism, I'm, you know, a Mennonite or Anabaptist 500 years ago, people are getting killed over this. Now, um, you know, we'll let people join our church and let their infant baptism count if that's what they want. Um, 500 years ago, we would have for sure said you have to get rebaptized, and then they probably would have gotten burned at the stake for doing it. Um, and so it's just crazy to think like, um, I think about that a lot in relation to our present fights that are like so volatile and so bitter um, to think back to like, you know, we used to be killing each other about this now. Uh, you know, we, we have some beliefs about it and, and, you know, you should probably do the right thing. But, um, but then also with, with communion and baptism, both, I sort of feel like if, if I, if God did a big skywriting thing, you know, that he never does, but if he did and was like, this is the correct view of baptism, you know, whatever it would be, I think I could say, okay, like I might be surprised. Um, I might, you know, have a lot of reasons why I, I would be very surprised if it was, you know, baptism. Um, but I think I could accept that one and communion as well. If, if God, you know, wrote up in the sky and was like, it really does become the body and blood. I'd be like, well, okay, I guess we'll do that. I really good. Uh, I mean, I'd be surprised, but if that's what it was, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, God. My bad. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. My, <laughs> my view, my view of the baptism would be that I, if they were baptized as an infant, like I was, um, mm-hmm. I, I would strongly encourage them to be baptized uh, again in full consciousness of or conscientiousness, whatever it is. Sure. Subconsciousness in full subconsciousness <laughs> of um, of what they're doing um, as as a is a commitment to Christ and and to following Him. So. But but not and as would, but not condemning yeah. them if they don't. Yeah. Right, I would encourage that as well. But again, like you said, if if they don't want to, I wouldn't say that disqualifies you from you know like church membership or whatever. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, last question. <laughs> sure. Um, so we are at use your imagination here. We're at the restoration <laughs> okay. of all things, whatever okay. that looks like. Seventy okay. AD. <laughs> and you're, you're being escorted into the open gates of the New Jerusalem. Okay. Who, who is escorting you? They could be living or dead, all time. Who's, who's escorting well, you? Well, it's one of the three bro, bros, Bob, the bros here. You're eligible, <laughs> technically. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, what is your walk in music? Oh, my goodness. Um, I feel like I'm at a, a disadvantage. I probably shouldn't admit this publicly, but I don't really listen to music. So much um, reading and say studying. Oceans. You can say oceans. It's no, fine. it's it's not even that. It's um, we just didn't grow up with a, a lot of like radio playing in my house, and so it just didn't. I don't know. It never became like a, a habit or thing for me. Um, all right, I will go with. Um. In college, I waited tables at a restaurant that every night at sunset, 
played uh, Tchaikovsky's Overture of 1812, Mm -hmm. and they would time it so that the cannons would boom as the sun slipped over the horizon, and it was very impressive. That is impressive. Um, Yeah, so I'll go with that. Um, And then for a person, oh, man. I mean, I obviously can't take the easy Protestant way out and say C.S. Lewis. That would be a real cop out. You could. Nobody's um, ever said C.S. Lewis before on the podcast. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my word. Well, I'm gonna have to say it like just to be the first. Okay. How has no one been that like I don't know. Oh they're not real Protestants. Oh, she's, right, well, I'll take it. Oh, you froze for <laughs> a second there. Oh no, I I was just amazed. Yeah, the the computer couldn't even handle it. No, <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have a lot of uh, Orthodox evangelicals on this mm. this this podcast, so you know it makes sense. Although C.S. <laughs> Lewis might have been a Universalist ish, he might. I been. think he wanted he wanted to be, but right. couldn't quite. But Scripture said no, C.S. Lewis, you can't do it. <laughs> oh, it's in there. That's a debate for another day. It's in there. No, it's you just got to look for it, no, Scott. No, it's not. Well, if you, you can find whatever you're looking for, Zach, I'm Appar- sure. Apparently. <laughs> Bonnie, thanks for reaching out to us. I'm glad you did. Yeah. I've enjoyed hearing you on a bunch of podcasts on this. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind promoting this book. Something like that. I, yeah. uh, I, hope, I, I hope I haven't been too repetitive if you've been like out there listening to me, but... Right. Well, hopefully we gleaned a little bit out of you that other people weren't able to. But yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's gotten the overture of eighteen twelve out of me. So awesome! That's new. All right, so <laughs> give us your details on where people can find you. Yeah, um, so my website is is bonniechristian dot com, um, and I am on Twitter. As terrible as it is, you can find me there also at Bonnie Christian, and that's Christian um, with a K. Yes, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Uh, just like the religion, except replace the C-H with a K. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little weird as a pen name to be, or not, it's not a pen name, as a, as a name to be doing, uh, you know, Christian theology, but whatever. Um, yeah, so you can find me in those places, and you can submit a, a question on my website that, you know, I can answer, like, as a blog post, if you think it would be suitable for lots of people. Um, and I, I reply to Twitter, as long as you're not mean and terrible. Which is out there. That happens. Yeah, although I I, I do feel like I, I don't know if maybe the someday the bubble is going to burst, but I, I do feel like I live in a, a fairly pleasant internet bubble where it doesn't happen very often. Maybe it's because you're a pleasant person. I'm going to guess hope. that. <laughs> and nobody's ever called you Sister Christian? I hope not. They have not. Okay. Wait, is that something I should... Well, it's before... I should get? I barely get it. It's from a long time. It's a band, right? I have no idea. I think it's a hair metal band or something or a song. Sister Christian is a song by the band Night Ranger. From, is it wait. spelled like my last name? No, it's not. That'd be incredible. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is it by like uh, Slayer or maybe it's uh, the band? See, I don't even know. Twisted, I just know not, it's a thing. Tw- not Twisted Sister. Sister Christian is a song by the band Night Ranger. No. I mean, no, I've heard like, of that. Yeah, oh. they had a collaboration. Okay, <laughs> maybe they had a collaboration. Twisted Sister Christian. Mister. All right, we'll let you get out of here. <laughs> 
Thank you, Bonnie. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Good thank night. you. Good night. Take care. Mm, hermeneutics. <laughs> All right. Bonnie Christian. Live and in person. Oh. I mean, over Skype. And not live now that you're not listening. Not live. Well, wait. She wasn't. That wasn't live? Well, it was for us. And I guess whoever's listening right now is also listening live. They, but at that time, <clears throat> yeah, we are in the past. Yeah, man. Context, You're doing the math. Context is is key, man. It is. Yeah. It's everything, man. Okay. Well, real quick, I have some feedback. Let's do feedback without Jeff. <laughs> Better for us. Better for the listener. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Oh. Hope your thing's going well. I do love how. Oh man! So instantly, they get back. She answers a she answers a question about what she's working on, and then I re ask her a question in a different way. She's like, "Well, probably I'll write the book about that. Hopefully, that I just said." Oh man! <laughs> and instantly, I was like, "Dang it! Be present." Sorry, Bonnie. Appreciate you. <laughs> I'm still looking it up. Also, you and you and Jeff going back and forth, and she's like, "Hey, I." I have thoughts. We're like, nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Me and Jeff. Feedback. 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 Now it's time to read some feedback. That was good. I um, you know, her, she, she lays out a few of the different uh, views, and then she says, well, my view is, and I, and I guess it's kind of like, and not you every know, time, too. It's, it's kind of like innocent where it's like, I, and I'm not sure how, I, how to think about this, but it's like, hey, she's not like, hey, these are the scriptures on why I believe this. She might list one or two, but it, it, I don't know. It's just kind of, it, it, it's kind of an innocent view. And I'm kind of like, I'm kind of thinking, you know what, that might, don't fall into that trap of, hey, if they just say, oh, this is my view, uh, then you just let it slide. Um Got to stay strong and go. Well, yeah, you might be saying it's just your view, but but the same at the same time, um, that's true. I think for the most part, I feel like I have to say that every time. You, did, you are talk, you agreeing with me? Which um, um, <clears throat> for the most part, but the good news is that the topics in the book, her saying, and my view is, and just leaving it out there is uh, very justifiable because of the. None of the stuff, all the stuff is is supported by scripture or by tradition in a way that's not like, she's just showing how it's not something to call somebody not a brother or sister. Yeah. And, and, and I, I didn't, we didn't, we didn't Unless get you're in. calling them a sister Christian <laughs> call back. <laughs> we, we didn't get into, um, the, uh, gay marriage thing, um, and I, I got to go back and look if that was dogma or not. But if, if that's if that's outside of dogma, like calling calling something good when it's when when God has de- declared it to be evil, it'd be difficult to put that into the. If God has declared something evil and you and somebody is calling it good, then I can agree with you on that statement. Okay, what about the statement I just made? Uh, I would want to caveat the shit out of it. Go ahead. No, not right now. Okay. Later. After this, we'll finish recording, and then we'll probably fight with each other. 
Speaking of gay marriage or homosexuality, <laughs> I have a tweet from Kev- Seriously? Kevin Mallory Music <laughs> at Kevin Mallory TX. I'm going to guess that means Texas. Caveats. Uh, at Rose Bibles Beer, regardless of your stance on homosexuality, and this is me now, I think this is referring to some conversation with Kurt Willems. Kurt Willems episode, oh, yeah, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah. kind of a Mennonite tradition too. Uh, possibly, I think so. Yeah. Um, continuing, he says, I think the real question we need to ask at this point is if being affirming is a sin. Personally, I think light beer is more sinful than affirmation. <laughs> All right. We're just, we're just um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> I yeah, mean, and it's been a lot. It, no, it just that. it goes it goes back to what I mean. Really, what we were just talking about. If you're calling something, I want to clarify because I'm the clarifier. And also, what, then that then that would be a sin. So if you're affirming someone in their homosexuality, saying no, it's not a sin, then yeah, that would be sinful. Or maybe They're, what they mean by affirming is. A little more nuance, because I—that's what I'm learning as I've delved into that issue a little bit. And uh, do I need to break out the Bonnie Christian no, Christian book? But affirming it, can mean different things to different people. I've noticed. But anyways, I'm going to continue with feedback because well, 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 you, Scott, we're starting new podcasts. Right I now. know, I know, but but by affirming, like what what other sin are you going to affirm? So if, if there's a nuance to affirm, so that means you can you're going to Right, so you're gonna you're affirming. I affirm pride. You're, you're affirming things that are. If, if there's a nuance to affirming, are you saying that there's a form of affirming where you're saying, "Hey, I know this is a sin, but I'm gonna affirm you in this, but not to the full extent of of getting married if you're homosexual to a person of the same sex." So, Ooh. You, right, real you, time, you oh, can approach that breaking. Go ahead. Breaking news. Breaking. Just got an email from Bonnie. She's confirming it was Wayne Grudem. This is what I had in mind. She sent a link. Um, he has a long list of things women could potentially do in ministry, ranked from least to most appropriate in his complementarian framework. One of the middling items is, and she uh, emphasized that her emphasis was added. <laughs> Writing a book on Bible doctrines. I have put four examples of writing activities here on the list because the author of a book has some kind of teaching authority, but it is different from the teaching authority over the assembled congregation that Paul prohibits in 1 Timothy 2. I did say 1 Timothy. Hmm. Because that's what it... That's a Trumpism. Well, it is the number one. Yeah. The teaching relationship of an author to a reader is much more like the one-of-a-kind of teaching that Priscilla and Aquila did when they explained the way God more accurately to Apollos in Acts 18.26. In fact, with a book, the element of direct personal interaction is almost entirely absent. And then she, she yeah. concludes, so in his view, the element of personal interaction apparently makes a difference of whether it's okay for women to teach. So technically, women aren't teaching as much if you're reading it than if you were hearing it in person. Yeah, I, and I, I get I get what he's saying because there there is a... Thanks, late, Bonnie. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. That's the first time. She's full of firsts. Like, yeah. we're still recording, and she emailed me. Oh, here it is. Boom. 
Like people don't just get off the call with us and completely forget us. Well, she probably threw up first. Prop, prop, not 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 first as in before the podcast, but after. No, right after us. the podcast, yeah, she's, she's like, like oh, "I can't believe I just did man, that." Good thing that's over. And then she remembered she has a reputation to protect. A rep, that a re, rep, yeah, that one word. of those. You didn't let me finish. I was Double about X to <laughs> repartition. All right. <laughs> no, uh, so I I I I see where Grudem. I'm not trying to start a new podcast. I Scott. know, but but I know, but you just read that, so I just want to say okay. that sentence. there is a layer of abstraction between when something is in written form and the person is not in front of you. So if if the mandate in Paul's writing is that the that woman is not to have authority over a man, um, and there and there's a layer of abstraction in the teaching. Then you you address answer you address what's being what's written um, despite of despite the author because I, I I don't think I don't think the I I'm not I'm not prepared to say that the correct response to any written um, any written work is to say oh a woman wrote that nope she can't have authority over me burn it right so I so I I can appreciate. What Grudem is saying that because actually he's saying he's saying that it, it's it's not that women can't teach because they're women it's be, it's just that in the context of the assembly that they're not to have authority so I that that's that I think that's consistent. All right, and some might say I'm going to do my new caster. Some might say you're putting lipstick on a pig. Some say Scott, not me. Some say. They would be wrong. <laughs> okay. Again, giving Scott the last word is always frustrating. Okay. Jimmy Pacini. I know. At I know. J Pacini PTA. So disappointed. This is again back to Kurt Willems. Because we don't read feedback that often. Not about me again. So disappointed there was no conversation about Fresno since he mentioned Fresno Pacific. Dang it. Where's the love? Also, tell Scott that Derek Carr and Paul George are also from Fresno State, along with Aaron Judge. There's a long line of Fresno State greats. Well, you know, I grew, I went to high school in the Central Valley, and um, I, I went to college at, in Colinga, which I think is still part of the Central Valley. That's a good story. Um <laughs> But yeah, you're right. I didn't spend much time uh, in in Fresno. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The uh, 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 all right, Cam Rid- Ridley uh, at Crids one hundred and one. That's C R I D Z one hundred and one on Twitter's. Great word, fellas. Lots of stuff to chew on. Keep it up. And that's regarding Kurt Willems. Lots of feedback with Kurt Willems. Moving on. No, but hey, Jimmy. I just <laughs> talked to my dad. <laughs> He's up. He's up in Oakhurst. Well, he's in Coors Gold, actually. Did he apologize? But uh, no, not yet. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for it. He's trying to sell me a boat now. <sighs> for you to fix? For for me to fix? Yeah, probably. I bet it's really cheap. It's so tempting, huh? No, he's 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 trying to get the maximum no- amount for it from me. No. Yeah. It does. It, it. We can't ski on it though. That'd be cool to have a boat though for cheap. I mean, it'd be cheap, but it'd still be more than what it's worth. Anyway, back to Jimmy Pacini uh, on Twitter. This is replying about uh, Keith Giles at Keith Giles. Uh, 
in the conversation we had with him. I was rocked by this episode in the first five minutes, and it had very little to do with the rest of the episode. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but thanks for the feedback. <laughs> Hearing Keith at Keith Giles' story about accepting Christ and his dad's role in that. Any other parents feel convicted? Hashtag dad goals. Hashtag empower your kids. Yeah, that's cool. That, um, man, what you... And it's, it's, tough, it's a tough lesson. And then Bobby Jacob yeah. replied to that real quick. Sorry, Scott. Mm-hmm said, can you please send me the link or reference to this testimony? Um, listen to the podcast, bro. Yeah, Bobby. Come on, man. Come on, Bobby. What's up, dude? Use the Googles. Hey. Uh, it's, um, it, it's, it's, I, it's difficult for me to think about influence, um, what, you know, what we say having influence, and I, I, I want to separate myself from that and kind of absolve myself from any Are we talking about, like, flu vaccines now? Yeah. Um, resp- <laughs> resolve myself from... Responsibility, but in reality, yeah, what we say matters, and and who we say it in front of matters. And um, if we're not going to influence them for the good, um, that doesn't mean that we're not going to influence them at all. It could mean that we influence them for the negative. Mm. I believe that's what Jimmy is talking about. Mm, and Jimmy so, Puccini. um, I agree with you there, Jimmy. If that's oh. what you're talking about. And if not, just if not, just ignore it. everything I just said because I shouldn't be influencing anybody. Finally, at PL Dyer, D Y E R on Instagram, said great podcast. And that was in response to our post about Keith Giles. Cool. Thank you, sir, for listening. This okay. has been feedback from the Central Valley all the way to Dubai. Where do we have listeners? I haven't checked Dubai, but all over. I mean, we even got Delaware. Um, where's that? Well, I don't think it actually exists, but it's on the map in the eastern, northeastern part of the United States. But I think it's, um, I think it's just people say it's there, but nobody's actually been there. there. There's no evidence, no actual evidence of people being there. Of people, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. We got it. Remember, do you know who Hacksaw Hamilton is? He's a legendary... Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Uh, what is his first name? Oh, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton from Baja to the Canadian Rockies. <laughs> Up and down the West Coast, the ladies' line is open at... I'm doing a terrible impression. Was, was, I'm was he filling in, in for George Norrie? No, he is like a sports talk radio host in Southern California for years. He might be dead. I don't know. If he's not, I hope he's resting in peace. Or if he is. I'm sorry, wait. Either way. If he's not dead. I hope he sleeps well tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies, your ladies line is open. (laughs) When he he was reading articles, and we're going to get out of here, he's reading articles about stuff when somebody was quoted and there's quote marks. He would say, and I quote, this is the sentence where somebody is quoted, unquote, quote, unquote. That was like, (laughs) you would do that all the time. It was so funny. Anyways, that's some good stuff. Now, thank you. Thanks a lot for listening and for your feedback. Oh, you Uh, care now? You know, I'm, I, I, I separate the sheep from the goats. And this is my attempt. At Bros Bibles Beer on the socials. Shut up, Scott. We got, we got like two or three more five stars on Apple Podcasts, but no words. So 
Use your words. That's yeah. just stupid. Yeah, why would you not use your words? Karen Ballhornen in Modesto, California. I know you listen to this podcast. Give us a rating and a review. Scott, do you have a name you can make up? <laughs> Modesto is in the Central Valley. Like Karen. Did I say Kevin? I don't know. Karen. Karen Ballhorn. All right. Who else do you know that listens to this podcast that you can make up that should write a review for us? Uh, I, you know, I, I've got like a hundred names. I just can't think of one right now. John, John Rich, leave us a freaking review. I see you in city of Montana in Montana. I can't think of. Yeah. We see you listening. We see you listening. Write us a freaking review. What other states can we make up? <laughs> Kissimmee? Kissimmee? Yeah. Is that the person or the city? It, it probably doesn't exist, but it sounds right. Chris Christopher in Kissimmee. Chris. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we might have uh, we might have stepped out of the, uh, the lane there. Yeah, but uh, you get the point, people. Just listen and review and rate. Five stars on my Because then, if, if not, then we don't want it. I mean, unless it's four stars, but definitely not less than four stars. What three? Does three stars bump us up in the rating? Andy, whenever you're ready, go ahead and move your four star to a five star. That would be helpful. Appreciate it. Yeah. John? John? Hey, just do it, man. Yes, just, John. Just click that button, John. Click that button. Click it hard. I did try to only have one wife. I actually want to be a polygamist.